Welcome to the Leading Below the Surface podcast, where we get beyond the book and into our day-to-day lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Leading Below the Surface podcast. I'm Latanya Wilkins, and I'm joined by my producer, Adam Smigo. And today is a solo episode. And so if you're new to the Leading Below the Surface podcast, we alternate episode formats between solo cast and guest cast. Today will be a solo cast. And the topic that we're going to discuss today is how to support employees in times of distress. This is a very important topic. Actually, it's one that I recently shifted to. I actually had another topic planned for today, but this one is urgent, especially considering that we are recording this episode in mid-October of 2023. So a little bit about how this episode will be divided up. So first off, I'm going to talk a little bit about where we're at today. So where we're at today, why this topic is important. And then we're going to get into some tips on around how you can create uh, a better environment for your employees and also become an amazing colleague in times of distress. So first off, what's the reason why I'm recording this topic? So the The world is changing, but what's not changing is the distress that people are facing in the workplace. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But I was on a call this morning and the other person on the other end of the line joked that she thought we were going to get a break because it just keeps coming at us, keeps coming at us. All this all this stuff that's happening uh, within our homes. Uh, within our countries, within our environments, uh, within our families, all of these things keep happening and they're, they're things that are very distressing. So let's first start with the timeline of, of what I mean. So I do a talk called uh, Leading Below the Surface. It's all about becoming the type of leader that the future workplace demands. And this all started in 2017 and in 2017 many of you probably remember the me too movement so that i think that was the first time where there's a a really big uh macro shift in the workplace that we were seeing people were speaking out it was a very very historic moment and then three years later after that historic moment as we all know we entered a pandemic and while we were in that pandemic Not only were we stressed out about if we were gonna get it, uh, some of us were stressed out because we were losing relatives. A lot of us didn't know anything about it. Uh, It was a very distressing situation. We were caught in our houses for a while. Um, We were stranded at home, we couldn't leave. Uh, We didn't know how to take care of ourselves. And then during this time, there's the killing of uh, George Floyd on, on television. And that was broadcasted to all of us. And so this was this is another big historic distressing moment. Like there had been no other time where, yeah, we all know about police brutality, what happens, but I don't think any of us had ever seen anything like that. And it was broadcasted. Um, and we, we saw this video over and over again for those who, choose, who, choose, who chose to watch it. 
And then in 2021, as you know, we were all confined to our houses and the economy was really picking up because a lot of tech companies were bringing a lot of people because there's this temporary uptick in demand. And, and uh, a lot of folks were getting the biggest raises they ever had. A lot of people were getting into jobs and companies that they had always dreamed of. But then in 2021, we also saw the great resignation because since the market was a little overheated, people were leaving um, and they were starting to leave for jobs that aligned better to their values. So this was the first time we saw this. And this is also the time when we saw people really expressing that they wanted to belong for the first time ever on the top on their top five list. Then in 2021, uh, we started also seeing some of these uh, anti-trans laws go into effect and, you know, the backlash around um, transgender rights and anti-trans laws. And then 2022, we saw the Supreme Court, um, we saw the Supreme Court overrule Roe versus Wade. And again, no matter how you think about these issues personally or how you conceive them, they, they all create um, stress in the workplace. And I'll, and I'll end with the last one, ChatGPT, right? ChatGPT, um, that created a lot of stress. Will people be losing their jobs? What is this technology? And then again, I'll end with, obviously we're in mid-October, there's another conflict brewing in the Middle East. Um, there's been a lot of lives lost, a lot of violence. Uh, and it's just really been a very, very distressing situation for a lot of folks to the point that they can't think about anything else. So all of these, all of these uh, incidents, if you want to call them incidents, all of these, all of these events, I guess I could call them that, they create stress. And now there's a couple studies I, I want to mention. So I, I talked about COVID in 2020. But did you know that people never recovered from their stress from COVID? And this was a, a Gallup study, and it shows that people never really fully recovered from that uptick in stress. So not we were we actually COVID through COVID we actually as a population increased our stress like for good permanently. So now we're at a whole new baseline. And so there's still uh, the stress again, um, you know, we'll include this in the show notes, but you'll see that 44% of employees are still saying that they're experiencing a lot of stress. In 2019, that was at 38%, 2020, 43%, and now it's remained at 44%. So there's no decreases there. A lot of folks are really stressed about inflation. And so, there's an APA study that says people are most stressed about buying groceries, things that they need. Uh, after that, it's uh, supply chain issues. After that, it's the Russia invasion of Ukraine. And after that, it's uh, cyber attacks, nu- nuclear attacks. And again, I mentioned another brewing uh, conflict in the Middle East. And so that's not on this list, again, because this was the study was done before. The reason why I decided to do this podcast today uh, is because this is not ending. There's no end in sight. And I'm sorry, usually many of you know that I try to 
I don't want to say I'm toxically positive, but I, I always try to look at the glass half full, but it's only going to get worse because in 2024, what, what are we all doing in, in the U.S.? Well, we're entering a U.S. election period. <laughs> and that's like, some of you are probably thinking, oh my gosh, that came up so fast. It did. It did. It seems like it came up really fast. Many of us were just taking a, a breath, but the emotion that's already coming up is dread. And 41% of people expressed dread at thinking about the U.S. election. They're already thinking about it. And this is a, a Yahoo News poll. And the second one, 34% is exhaustion. So we're already getting exhausted. Uh, we're already getting stressed. We are already dreading the U.S. election. So again, and it's only, it's October of 2023. We're already thinking about this. The last two things I'll mention, as you know, with stress comes increased substance abuse. I actually did a podcast on that around sobriety in the workplace. You might wanna go back and listen to that so you can hear about how to support employees, especially in times of stress, so you're not contributing to substance abuse. But 90% of adults in the US feel like the country's in a mental health crisis. I don't disagree. There's, again, it has not, any, everything has not decreased. Things did not go back to normal after COVID. Again, we're at a, a different baseline, a higher uh, elevated rate of stress. The last thing I'll mention, it's interesting because uh, I was, again, I was on, the, on a call with a client this morning and what, I, what I'm learning is, is while some clients, tech mainly, are laying off, others are having a hard time finding people still, right? And with, uh, with if you are an organization that's laying off, just remember that's another source of stress, even if the people, even for the people that stay, there's the workplace survival syndrome. I'm sure some of you have heard of that. And um, there's a really strong stat out there that says that even if, even if you lay off a bunch of folks, let's say you lay off 5% of your workplace, 95% of those people are, are, are affected by those layoffs. And 45% um, of those are, are, are affected and so impacted that they're obsessing so much about it and they're, they're so fearful about it that you're gonna lose productivity. So if you're doing that, you, again, you're creating another uh, source of stress, even though you might need to lay off. I understand sometimes we need to do those things, uh, but you know, hopefully you try to exhaust everything else before you go there because again, it's gonna create more issues. So in addition to that, in addition to the fear, how does stress and anxiety affect us in the workplace? Well, obviously lack of employee engagement, right? If your company's laying off and again, that 95% survives, they're probably gonna be less engaged just from that activity. Even if you tell them how great they are, they're still going to feel that. They're going to they're going to still feel that uh, survival survivor guilt. Uh, lack of focus, productivity, uh, googling to see who's hiring in case, googling for Plan Bs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, tense company culture. You know that's when people can start competing against each other instead of collaborating. That's when people will start undercutting each other. Um, there's also a really interesting study, and we'll leave it in the notes. Injuries and illnesses are also can also increase because of stress. I think we know that because of like with illnesses, 
but injuries can as well. And again, I think it's a lot of that's attributed to, you know, damaged cultures after big events like that. So we started with me talking a little bit about the topic, why I wanted to talk about this topic, uh, some stats around this topic and how we got here. And now I'm going to get into some tips on how to be a better colleague and if you're a leader, how to support employees in times of stress. I think everybody's a leader. I think we could all lead through this. I think right now it's it's really unfortunate, but I'm seeing a lot of uncomfortable conversations happening that are happening in a way that's aggressive, where people aren't listening. I talk about P2P listening, P2B listening. Um, I, I, I keep hearing about, um, you know, people needing like a binary conversation, agree, disagree. This is not that kind of time. And again, that's not how you deal with stress or support with stress. Again, what are you gonna do? Disagree that an employee's stressed out, right? Disagree with an employee's experience. So this, these are some tips to help you be able to, again, be an amazing leader, be an amazing colleague. And if if you find this helpful, please pass this podcast to, on to others. Because again, this is something that's really extremely important right now, um, extremely relevant right now, and people need some help. So now I'm gonna share four tips. And again, if, if these resonate with you, please pass these on um, to your team, to your boss. You don't have to wait for HR to take action. Uh, you know, If you are someone listening uh, from a business, please pass it on to your business. So first, the first thing you wanna do is uh, just come up with a strategy on what you're gonna do to support employees in times of distress. And what I mean by that, it doesn't have to be some big you know, PowerPoint or fancy documents, but just taking a stance on, you know, what are we gonna do in times of distress? Are you gonna be the kind of company that just sweeps everything under the rug? Or are you gonna be the kind of company that brings things out in the open? Are you going to be the kind of company that brings your ERGs into this, right? If you have business resource groups or employee resource groups. Are you gonna be the kind of company that leaves this to managers and lets managers kind of navigate this? But first you have to think of a strategy on how you're gonna do this. And that's from a leadership perspective. As a colleague, I wanna encourage you to also think about that. Like what's your strategy in this? Like how are you, what is gonna be your stance that you take uh, when, when people are under stress. Um, are you gonna be the person that tries to reduce the stress? Are you gonna be the, the type of person that brings up conversations around the stress? Um, what, what, how do you wanna show up? So again, thinking about your strategy and how you wanna show up. The second thing that I'll say, and I know I realize this is, is harder or easier said than done because we do a lot of, of workshops and, and work around this and coaching, but, uh, you wanna build a collaborative culture with empathy and psychological safety front and center. Again, you wanna build a collaborative culture with empathy and psychological safety front and center. So how do you do that? How, you're probably like, Latalia, that's a lot. Of course, that sounds like, of course I need to do those. Those are some big words. It sounds like I really wanna do that. So I'm gonna give you like three or four ways to, to move towards that. Again, I can't, exhaustively give you everything. You could reach out if you have more questions. I'm at info at changecoaches.io. Again, info at changecoaches.io if you have more questions 
and my team and I would be happy to send you a few more resources. But first off, you want to remind yourself of your company's values and or your individual values. So again, um, come back to your company's values and your own individual values. And this, how does this help you create a more collaborative culture? Well, if you can refresh yourself on those, especially if it's your individual values and where you stand, then you can understand why you might respond to something in a certain way. Again, I'll say that again, because that's so important. If you could come back to your values, you could understand how, how and why you are responding in a certain way. So for example, someone might mention something to you or you might see something on social media and it makes you angry, right? You are so angry that you unfollow that person. That's a value, that's hitting a value, that's hitting on something important to you. So jot that down and come back and refresh what's important to you, what your values are. If you're an organization, this is one of the easiest things in the playbook that you could do is come back to your company values. Like, do you have company values of respect and inclusion? And talk about those, bring those back up, dust those off and talk about those in employee communication, especially following a very, very distressing event. The second thing that you could do is, um, in addition to recommunicating the values and dusting those off, hopefully they're already dusted off, but if you <laughs> if they're not, bring those out. But the second thing you could do is um, just communicate, again, let's go back to the compliance perspective, communicate any anti-discrimination policies that you have in the organization. That really helps in situations, especially some of the situations we're facing today. Um, if you have anti-discrimination policies that protect across race, religion, orientation, all of those things, gender identity, just reminding people that you have those policies um, and you know what's protected by your company and also by the federal government. I think that's so important. Even though we think that people know that and they take it for granted, I think, I think it's really important to say that. The last thing I'll, I'll say is uh, just to really encourage active listening. So for those of you that have read Leading Below the Surface, I'm sure many of you have, if you're listening to the podcast, I talk about two different types of ways to access empathy through listening in my book. One is person-to-person listening, and one is person-to-belonging listening. Person-to-person listening, one little thing I'll say about that, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's basically what you think it is. It's listening to the person, removing distractions, playing back what you hear, um, listening like a coach would listen, right? Um, mirroring things that you see. But if you can even, and I posted about this on LinkedIn today, if you can even feel yourself moving to an agree or disagree space, then you're not listening. Again, if you're moving to a agree, disagree space, you're not listening. So come back, again, it, it's okay if you're, if you're feeling triggered, if you're feeling annoyed, mad, something, someone's saying something, but honor that instead of the agree, agree disagree, because once you agree, disagree, and you go binary, you're not gonna be able to listen anymore. And if you're not listening, you can't acknowledge and validate. With P2B listening, it's a good example is as a colleague or leader, just kind of understanding your colleagues better um, and your team better. And so you could see if something's changed, especially in the aftermath of a distressing event. For example, is someone withdrawing more? Is someone taking more time off? Is 
someone seeming a little bit more withdrawn, um, someone seeming a little uh, more aggressive or reactive, right? And so understanding these things and keeping an eye on it and being able to approach them from that and, and maybe say, you know, even go to them with P2B listening and say, it appeared that, you know, it appears that you've been, you've been kind of withdrawing and is, is everything okay? How can I, how can I help? Or it appears that you are withdrawing. Would you like to talk about this? So you could ask for permission to talk about it. But again, using those two tactics to be able to connect to empathy is so important. The third, the, the last thing I'll say around P2B and P2P listening is um, if you're P2P listening, really acknowledging and validating, again, acknowledging and validating, you don't, you don't have the right to disagree with someone's experience. Again, you do not have the right to disagree with someone's experience. They're having that experience. You may not have had that experience, but it's still important that you acknowledge and validate it. Remember what your role is in this situation. Again, remember what your role is. If you are, for example, someone's manager or someone's colleague, your role is not to explain them. Your role is not to prove them wrong. Your role is to be a good colleague, right? Or your role is to, to create an environment where that employee can come to work, feel safe, belong, and get their work done, right? And so that's just the start. Those are just the basics. But again, remember what your, your role is. I'll just say one, one more thing about uh, facilitating difficult conversations. And this kind of takes us to the last tip. But there's a couple different spaces and ways that you can help people have these conversations. One is through ERGs. I think it's a really, really big untapped resource. You could get two different ERGs together. You can have them sponsor an event and just have people just have people chat about stuff, have some get some skilled facilitators, have people chat about stuff, um, acknowledge and validate, but try to, you know, teach people how to be better listeners, how to, um, again, just really show up with a place from a place of curiosity across differences and help them connect across those very differences. Give your managers talking points. So just don't just save it for the ERGs, but um, acknowledge to your managers that this is happening. Give them talking points. Give them things that they might expect, um, and make sure that they that that you're thinking about this, and that the org should be thinking about this. And it's okay, and it is part of their responsibilities to to be able to navigate this stuff. You could also even if you don't already have this, make, maybe even start a leadership or manager community so folks can have these conversations on their own, and they could share some of these ideas across across the across their own communities. And again, I, I again, I'm, I'm usually a glass half full kind of person, but again, I, I read off a bunch of things that are happening today and that have been happening over the last five years, apparently, and even longer. But plan for the worst and hope for the best. Again, I'll say that again, plan for the worst, hope for the best. Again, we don't know where this is going. And again, um, with everything I, I read to you earlier, it, it doesn't look like this is ending anytime soon, right? And it could even compound. And so just planning for the worst, being ready for that, 
and uh, just just making sure that you are prepared to support employees in times of distress, and even if there were an event, another event tomorrow or the next day or the next day, you are ready to do this. You are ready to support your organization a structure to do that. So that's all I have for today. So to recap, today I, I talked about how to support employees in times of distress. We started off with some factors impacting the workplace, some events that have happened, why stress is important to pay attention to, what the effects of stress on the workplace, and then as, as usual, I got into a few tips to help you hopefully have some better conversations. So thanks folks, and see you next time. Thank you for joining us for the Leading Below the Surface podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our show notes, which includes tips, articles, and other resources. And one more thing I'll mention, please, please, please leave us a review, especially if you are someone who has listened to at least one episode. You could do that in the app of your choice. And while you're in there, don't forget to hit subscribe.